0: to the q2q podcast if you don't know us by now my name is becca
1: my name is ben
0: and this week we are joined by a lovely guest miss margaret french how are you today margaret i'm good how are you guys
1: so good living Pretty the dream
0: good. so margaret you may know her from her tiktok mrgt french she's your unaccredited theme park what is it that you say is it
2: unaccredited or completely unaccredited themed entertainment professor. That's what it is. It's (laughs) It's a lot. It's a whole mouthful, but it's what I came up with and I've just run with it. Yeah. Yeah, Fantastic.
0: I found, I found Margaret a couple, like a month ago at this point, I think. Um, And I just kind of rabbit hole down your content because it was so fascinating to see all the silly wild places that you've been
2: and you talk about. So, yeah there's a lot there's when you have to post like three to five videos a day to stay relevant on tiktok you come up Mm. with a lot of rabbit holes yeah it's great it's it's great so we're so glad you're here yay i'm excited i'm excited for this yeah well we're here to talk about the latest
0: and greatest in theme park news and deep dive into a topic of margaret's choice but before we do that we have to do the most important thing of the week and that is ben how was yours
1: my week was pretty fun actually. It was my birthday on Friday, so It was I'm your a birthday. Hey. birthday, Thank fan. you. Yeah, so I'm another year older. <laughs> but at <laughs> least it's better than twenty six and I didn't lose my insurance this year. <laughs>
2: Oh, so. I turned 29 two weeks ago. So you don't even get to complain. <laughs> Great.
1: So I can't even complain. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, hung out with the fam. Uh went to a concert in Hampton. It's just smaller, like Boston based bands. Uh, check them out. If you like metal and stuff, lands down, super fun band to watch. Um, yeah. And then uh, just kind of working and uh, doing all the things. How about you Becca?
0: Oh, uh, well, you know, I just I say just came home. It was like two weeks ago. We re- we're a little behind in life. Um, just got back from my annual pilgrimage to Orlando. And I got to do my Halloween Horror Nights and uh, Hello Scream. And we did Epcot and Hollywood Studios. It was a little bit of a bummer because it was raining the whole time. Um, oh, no. So, like, Hello Scream kind of got washed out. None of the scare zones were open until like 11 o'clock. I was surprised they even opened it all, truly. Um, but those those houses, 10 out of 10, still, love that. Um, the, the SeaWorld Hello Scream, super great. Um, and then it rained on the day we went to Epcot and Hollywood Studios, so we got drenched, and we went Ella. three for three t- breakdowns on the dark rides. Oh no! <laughs> three for three on the track list. We got we got halfway through Rise of Resistance, like we got to the interrogation room, um, and then they were like, wap, wap, so we got a lightning lane to come back, which was fine. Um, and then Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, same thing. Uh, we get to the second room. Lights go off and they pause it and they did not reset the scene. So we missed one of those scenes. And then Ratatouille, we sat down on the ride vehicle. It was our last ride of the night, 9.30 at park closed at 9. Breakdown right there. Oh, no.
1: And there's nothing they they can do at that point.
0: Yeah. They were like, we'll give you a lightning lane for tomorrow. We were like, we won't be here tomorrow.
1: That's So, so sad.
0: So yeah, it was it was a big bummer. And then because it was raining for the last like forever in Orlando, um, Halloween Horror Nights. It was the first day of beautiful weather the whole time, and so it was it was busy, super busy. But I got through six haunts, so I'm not there you go. not super complaining. That's not bad. Yeah, um, and they were all like we prioritized which ones we wanted to go through, and all the ones that we missed were like the mm, give or take these
2: ones. But Marco, what have you been up to? well i my house that i've been building for like 18 months that was supposed to be a six-month build is actually being completed this week so that's awesome
1: congratulations yeah
2: so i had an emergency trip to denver which is where we had moved from because we still had stuff in my parents garage so my husband and I drove out here, and we packed his car full of stuff. And he's on his way back to Chattanooga, and I'm hanging out with my family for a bit. So that's exciting because it's been like consistent starts and stops, and you know, a hundred thousand dollars over budget, but what's fine. We're not going to worry about oh that. Oh my gosh! Yeah.
1: Such is yeah. housing.
2: But we're going to have a house soon. That's which so is exciting. Really exciting. Yeah. And I also got in the mail or like in an email that I got approved for press credentials for IAPA, which is like the big amusement yeah. park wow. in Orlando next month. And I like am um, like just talking about it now, I could burst into tears, which is very nerdy, but I'm so excited. So I'm doing that next month. Yeah, that's and crazy it's like been one of the best weeks of my life. That's so, so incredible. <laughs> well, I'm that's glad that huge. we got to yeah. talk to you then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's super I'm cool. like, we're gonna have to do a recap. If you guys want, I will come back because yes. I I'm like so stoked for this. I have no yeah, idea for what to
1: do. Yeah, we'd love to. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'll I'm having a bit of like that. imposter syndrome about it. So we'll see.
1: Oh. Oh, <laughs> It'll be great. Um, yeah. It's
0: su- super cool. Ben, this week on seltzer to seltzer, you got any new seltzers?
1: Oh, so I got all the <laughs> seltzer because for my birthday, I got a soda stream. So I can make whatever seltzer I <laughs> want. And that's what I'm super excited about. Thank you, Mom.
0: <laughs> wow that's so great um margaret we've been jokingly drinking seltzer for the last like three weeks because neither of us have been in the mood to drink a beer so it's we've been just <laughs> drinking different flavors of seltzer this week i am not drinking a seltzer but a starbucks energy double energy shot it's late i know don't Excellent. worry about it
1: yeah i had a, You're gonna I had be a up blue up red bull before this so
0: it happens <laughs> it's fine i guess this I just... week
1: we're or energy drink to energy drink.
0: <laughs> perfect. A perfect time. So let's just jump right into the news and somewhat of a interesting week to be podcasting because um, Disney and Universal and all of the Florida parks will be closed for the next couple of days due to um, Hurricane Ian. Um, wow. It's supposed to hit them, I think it's a category three at this time. Um, it's crazy that weather is happening now. We should probably start paying attention to that. (laughs) Considering (laughs) in the however many years that uh, Disney's been open, they've only closed like three times for weather, and two of them have been in the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, you know the world's ending. It's fine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Well, I'm ready for it.
0: (laughs) So basically, the resorts have been like the actual parks have been closed. They've moved all remaining entitlements, also known as like tickets and reservations and anything they've already paid for. All of those will be um, extended to September 30th of 2023. Um, and it's interesting. This, oh, wow. this, this part was interesting that um, some of the resorts are closed, like they're evacuating their resorts. Really? Um, and I, and it makes sense if you look at which ones, because they're all on water. Oh, so, yeah. Like Fort Wilderness Campground is closing, Copper Creek Cabins at the Wilderness Lodge are closing, the Treehouse Villas at Saratoga Springs are closing. Um, and the bungalows at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. So basically, it looks like all of the like non-permanent structures.
1: Yeah, that are... makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah um and they'll so they'll be closed closed and evacuated from Wednesday the 28th to Friday the 30th due to the to the storm. Um I can't imagine the the hell that guest services is going through because because of the people who had these stays and now they have to find places elsewhere on property to put these people. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not easy to get hotel rooms at Disney, so I'm I'm curious to see how it all turns out and what what people report out if they're there Um, that's
1: gonna be really tough so if you're staying on property for the next week just be nice to guest services they're going through it
0: (laughs) yeah everybody put on put on your little patient pants um Mm -hmm, star wars mm -hmm. galactic star cruiser anyone who was expected to leave between um like the this thursday and and next no, today, yeah, yeah, Tuesday. Today, so today Tuesday and then the 27th, Thursday, and then Thursday the the 29th, They have uh those voyages have been canceled. Um, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, that's nuts. Um,
0: and then uh the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween party scheduled for this upcoming Thursday is also canceled. So it's a scary world out there. Um, it is
1: inclement weather in Florida.
0: Yeah, it's. A lot. My workplace is, um, one of our locations is Tropicana Field in Tampa, and they have hunkered down. Oh, I bet. They just finished their auditions, and they have to, oof, it's rough. Yeah, it's I
1: rough. think even the the Buccaneers in Tampa are relocated to Miami for the week for their practice, too, so it's, yeah, Tampa's nuts.
0: <laughs> Miami doesn't feel like that much, that much of a better solution. I, I know,
1: it doesn't. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, Florida's it's a big state, you know. Falls. It's wherever yeah. wherever landfall happens for the hurricane, you know.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, it, if it happens getting...
1: more north, then Tampa's the problem, not Miami, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, I was talking to one of my coworkers who's in the Tampa area, and he was and when they were watching this tropical storm form, they were talking about how like you don't know which way it's going to go. When it's at right. the tip of Florida, it could go one way or the other. When it gets caught in the Gulf, it's usually actually more heavy than if it goes the other way because it's like literally stuck in that yeah. little spot of land, which is scary. It is scary. Yeah. So if you are That's in Florida, around Florida, or whatever, please stay safe. Let us know. Check
1: mm-hmm. in. Yep. Um, Now's a good time to buy a canoe. Yeah. Yes. Stay afloat. <laughs>
0: To check in our and on our favorite co-host and see what he's up to, make, make sure he's safe. Um, let's move on to a different storm of the news. Diane Disney, the one of the heirs to to Disney, uh, has released a or is to going to be releasing a documentary style film that follows four custodians that work at the park, and um, basically it's to track that they cannot survive on the wage that Disney pays them. And she's she's kind of been a very she has been a loud voice in the last five to ten years about the inequity that the Walt Disney Company has with their employees and the way that they pay them and treat them and their benefits and things. So in this new documentary, which is going to be entitled The American Dream and Other Fairy Tales. Diane Disney argues that the Walt Disney Company has lost its moral compass as one of the company's most prominent and outspoken critics who happens to be from the, the Disney family. She lays out in an unflattering portrait of the company, particularly in regard to pay inequity and the struggles of some theme park employees to sustain their families on minimum wage salaries. Wow. Basically, she is trying to reveal the fact that a lot of corporations, Disney included, are not are not treating their people well. There's it's basically there's no excuse if you're a billion dollar company to not pay your people. Mm.
2: That's essentially well, what I'm. Well, and to wondering. actively lobby, especially in Florida, to not raise minimum wage and crush workers' rights. And I mean, Disney is the single what the largest single location employer in florida yep they have a lot of political power and they don't use it well but walt crushed unions too like it's not new
0: yeah not new and i don't
2: want to um actually you but it's abigail disney Diane sorry was his you're daughter. right you're so yeah. right
0: i wrote this so fast you can um actually That's me okay. anytime please <laughs> thank you this is yes. real autocorrect um so yes i am intrigued to see how this documentary goes i don't know where it's streaming i couldn't find that information
1: probably not on disney (laughs) plus if i had to guess
0: i wonder if it's even been
2: has it been picked up
0: i have no idea I would. In- I'd be interested to see if it gets picked up because of its topic. Because mm-hmm. basically, all of the places. It's subject where it for may- a lot
1: of companies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, all the places it would get picked up may be anti the message that it's sending. Who knows?
2: And Disney nice basically independent has documentary on entertainment. Mhm. Mhm. It says available on VOD. What did you say? It says available on VOD, but not on rogerdebert.com, but not where. So looks like something you're going to have to pay for. Mm. Well,
0: no. (laughs) Guess I won't be watching that. Um, (laughs) Speaking of things I want to watch, though, Universal Studios added a new Latin-inspired street show in the New York area. It's called uh, Vamos Bailalo, also known as Let's Go Dance It. Um, and it features some, some same sex dancing on the street. That was the first thing I noticed. I was super excited to see that, that Universal's like, we don't care. Everybody can dance with everybody. Let the kids be gay.
1: Huge proponent of that <laughs> here on the pod.
0: I'm wearing my sweatshirt right same now. Same sex, Look at fast this. dancing, Look at
1: slow dancing, all the dancing.
0: All oh yeah. And I'm wearing my Q2Q.
1: We're wow, look at the us wearing us our
0: own merch like a <laughs> bunch of losers.
1: <laughs> and hey, where can the viewers find our merch if they want to join in the fun, Becca?
0: Oh, man, they can go to teespring.com slash Q2Q. I think it's teespring.com slash store slash Q2Q. I don't know. You can go to our bio on our Instagram and go yeah, find it. Yeah, go to our it.
1: bio. That's a good place.
0: <laughs> it's the best place to get the right answers. Uh, but yeah, there's same-sex YouTube dancing, fast beat, incredible rhythm, and sick beats. So um,
1: anyway
0: I, I thought the show looked so fun. Like, I can only imagine if you were not expecting, which a lot of people weren't because Universal's famous for not telling you things are going to happen and then they're there. So just watching these videos, it just seemed like people just descend on the street and do some really quick like salsa dancing. And it just it looked fun, I think. Ella. I, I'm sad that I missed it by like a day. Um And finally, on the news this week, we have uh, Candlelight Processionals returning to Epcot. Couldn't have seen that coming. Um, That's really it. Cool. Candlelight
2: Processional, an Epcot tradition. Do they Didn't do it at it. Disneyland? Yeah, but not as many nights. It's like once or twice a year. Don't quote me on that. It's been a long time since I've bothered to go to Candlelight procession. Yeah,
0: I've only seen it once and it was because, like... I was walking by it, and I was like, sounds like a great place to stop and eat my rice. <laughs> um, it, you know, it was. Hey, you know. So that's that's it. I'm excited now that we have the announcement with Candlelight Processional. Not that I really care about Candlelight Processional as a whole, but I'm excited to see the rest of the announcements for the International Festival of the Holidays because it's, it's one of my favorite festivals because it is, I think... One of the last remaining true um, world showcase traditions of like what it was supposed to be about, of like mm-hmm. these retellings of these stories and and how other countries, other places celebrate holidays. So, yeah, that was a excited good time to see more. Um, but that's the news. With that, we will take a quick break and then we'll be back for the topic and we're back we're
1: back really? you know what Becca, i just love ad. that ad it just yeah. really i i think it can't get better and every time it somehow does it's just I absolutely don't,
0: i really poetry, don't understand really. it's gorgeous yeah i it just ages and ages
1: and it keeps aging yeah and <laughs> and better and better <laughs> anyway every time so we're back
0: yeah, we're back with um, Margaret French, who, as we mentioned before, is is big on TikTok for her themed entertainment professorship. Uh, if only it was <laughs> accredited and she could get paid for it. Um, right. Professors don't get paid either, though, so it's fine. It's just, you know, the ones who are on top do. Just anybody who doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, anyway, we don't need to talk about professors right here. We're going to talk about the World's Fair and Walt Disney.
2: Yeah, so I have many little rabbit holes I like to go down. And one of them is an obsession with the 1964 New York World's Fair. It wasn't even like an official World's Fair. We can talk about that later. It was a hot mess. I love it. But... Walt Disney got like super focused on it and kind of ignored his whole theme park that he had built to focus on the World's Fair. And I was doing research into this and I kind of came up with this pet theory that might be because I was recently diagnosed with ADHD that I don't, we don't diagnose dead people with mental illnesses. I totally subscribe to that. However, I wouldn't be surprised. If Walt Disney was ADHD, because he had a like distinguishable like history of hyper focusing on something, building it up, and then getting bored and moving on. So it started with animation and mixing live action and animation, which he did with like the Alice films, that sort of thing, moved on, did really well with movies for a bit got bored the movie suffered he opened disneyland well started thinking about doing it in burbank finally did disneyland disneyland got big it was super successful he got bored moved on to world's fair then unfortunately he died i'm sure he would have come up well i mean he kind of started thinking about city planning with like epcot and stuff then he died and so who knows what he, we could have had if he had smoked less um <laughs> but it sort of like got me into this rabbit hole of like <laughs> what did like what did what could Disneyland have done in that like three to five year period if Walt was focused on the park and not on the World's Fair but then we did get cool stuff from the World's Fair so it's kind of a give and take mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah no that that definitely tracks like the whole ADHD thing I can totally see right? that right yeah
0: Yeah. So we have, we kind of had a brainstorming session like a month ago about like how to separate this conversation. And we kind of came up with the idea of like the pre-World's Fair, what was going on in Disneyland, the World's Fair era, and then um, post-World's Fair and Walt's, Walt's death, post his death. Um, So as you mentioned, like before the World's Fair. Disney had his animation thing. It was the only thing he ever wanted to do. Like, from since he was little, he wanted to be a cartoonist. Forever. So he did that. He did his animation thing. Then he moved into those those mixed mediums of, like, put throwing animation and the live action together. And then he decided he was going to have this theme park, which we did. We got. We got Disneyland. It was great, sort of. Um <laughs> and it was very it was a lot of cardboard cutouts with a little car. Yeah. It was a great time. It was exactly what theme parks were at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was
2: better than what theme parks were at the time. Right. For sure. Like most For that's sure. still not what we would expect today.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. most theme parks were walk-through parks. Like they were called parks because they were outdoor areas that had some form of shells of a theming. If you like, we talk about it in our, um, our Santa's village video Mm -hmm. of how it started off with just a little gingerbread forest cut out. And then they added little huts with little dioramas and, and there it was. So Disney did this thing where he actually conceptualized themed areas that had like a, almost like a, a through line of some sorts. And that's Mm -hmm. how we got Disneyland. Um and when we get to the area around 1959 is when we start to see this kind of influence of the world's fair starting to take shape. Um mm-hmm. and at this point we have the idea for the haunted mansion which actually what and fr- when doing for the research haunted mansion was a concept in 1951. It yep. started with the park originally. Um, and they wanted to do this this walking tour of this scary house of oddities or whatever it was. And it was, it was that weird balance, which we haven't really done a Haunted Mansion episode. But to summarize quick, it was trying to find the balance between scary and, and silly, um, which is ultimately what we got. But it was supposed to be this walking tour, this wax museum kind of thing. And it was being juggled back and forth. And Walt, it didn't even actually seem
2: like Walt cared about it, truly. It was it was sort of a mainstay of amusement parks at the time. Like, it was just expected if you were going to an amusement park or a theme park, there would be some sort of haunted house attraction. And so it was kind of something that was always part of, like, Mickey Mouse Park before it became Disneyland. And then he just kind of was i feel like with with adhd if you don't care you just ignore it until la- the last minute and you have to get it done mm-hmm, type of thing and sure. that feels like what walt kind of did
0: yeah um and so you mentioned earlier just now you kind of said we'll talk about it later but i'm curious about how you said the world's fair wasn't an actual world's fair
2: yeah so there are like like world expo is a I, I'm assuming it's a corporation, but it's like a, it's an official thing where there's world's expos every two years and they still go on today. I feel like we have this idea, especially as Americans and like European, this sort of Western culture, that world's fairs are over because we don't see them very often on like our side of the world. That's just because the rest of the world is better at innovation than us. That's another rabbit hole. We don't have to get into that, but the 1964 new york's world's fair was not officially recognized by like the world expo group it didn't have the support that official world's fairs did so it didn't have the money it didn't have the infrastructure and it didn't really have the buy-in that most like that the, the official world's expos i mixed those worlds up but technically it should be a world's expo if it's an official one um and so the guy that started it i can't remember his name there's a defunct land youtube video that's all about the 1964 world's fair that goes really deep into it because he's a genius um but he basically and (laughs) grab all like like legitimacy and sponsorships where he could and part of that was partnering with walt disney because he had been i mean he had already changed themed entertainment as we knew it through disneyland and that was kind of his like that was the World's Fair's first big like get of legitimacy to then start getting country buy-in and corporate buy-in. Because for a World's Expo or a World's Fair to get that like pavilion, if you want the China pavilion, you have to go to usually the tourism board in China and ask for them to pay. To set something up in wherever you've decided to do your World's Fair and bring people over, and it's a huge expense. And if you're not gonna get people to come to the World's Fair, it's not worth it. So you need that like legitimacy. And Walt Hmm. Disney was kind of one of the first like big legit things to happen for the World's Fair. It sounds
0: almost like American propaganda of like we called it the World's Fair. It was just us.
1: It was our fair. Oh, holy. And the
2: fact (laughs) that for the first 100 years of world's fairs they either happened in western europe or america and now that they're not happening in those two regions they don't exist they're (laughs) not real we uh, whatever happened to the world's fair we just don't do them anymore right exactly oh the one in osaka that's not real
1: yeah, it's kind of like the World Series in baseball and they being played in America.
2: <laughs> right. I've never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> I've
0: never... I don't care about baseball very much, so I've literally never thought about the fact that it's called the World Series and it's just the right. American Baseball League. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because, like, you absolutely could do it, a, world, like a World Series of baseball. There are plenty of nations that yeah. do it. Anyway, we don't have to talk about baseball. This is not a baseball podcast. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, that's about as much as I have to say about baseball, anyway. <laughs> um, but when before, and I I didn't write this down because I'm silly. But before the World's Fair, you were getting like new attraction after new attraction every year, if not more than one each year. Um, I had a whole list of all the Disneyland attractions.
2: Disneyland well, today. the biggest like the first big expansion of Disneyland happens in 1959, right? Like that's when you get mm-hmm. you get an expansion to the monorail, you get or no, the opening of the monorail, you get Matterhorn right. and you get the submarines. Those are huge not just like additions to the park, but those are huge technological advances. Like a steel tube roller coaster had never existed before Bob yeah. Burr just decided to invent one despite not being an engineer. And you have the submarines Classic. or you're like it seems like you're literally underwater you're not you kind of are but these are like huge technological advances and major expansions to a park that was like kind of half done when it opened it mm-hmm. was a hundred percent half done yeah, that for whole <laughs> area of the park was
0: nothing like tomorrowland was not a thing really right
2: it- i feel like that's another ADHD thing. I'm just going to keep without diagnosing him, just keep relating it back. Is like a kind of fake it till you make it type of thing of like, yeah, it's a theme park. Trust me, your heels are sinking into the asphalt. That's supposed to happen. It's immersive. And then just like sort of <laughs> Spiraling through and ending up being a major media mogul, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: he. I
0: mean, his entire career, I think about it constantly, about like, wow, it was so easy to be successful in the early 1900s of just like, there was so many less people and you could just yeah. keep going. You could just yeah. do it and not get lost in the fray. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it it doesn't make sense. Like you can't, I could not see another person being as successful as this man anytime no. soon. Like I, I have a, I have another theory about how, how like I think that Walt Disney is the single most influential person from the 20th century like
1: yeah i wouldn't be surprised
0: other than maybe maybe henry fort <laughs> yeah that's true like yeah it definitely just, right it's definitely right up there
1: though for sure
0: exactly uh it's just it's insane what this man has accomplished but right around the pre-worlds fair you we like you mentioned we got those three back-to-back attractions we got the matterhorn we got submarine voyage we got um well actually when did submarine voyage open
2: it's not on this website i got you hold on i think they all opened yeah they all opened the same day june 14th 1959 that's ridiculous reopened nixon was there i'm pretty sure yes nixon was there and bob gerr okay fun anecdote bob gerr stole the first daughters uh, he got they were on the monorail and Bob Gurr just drove away with the president's daughters Amazing. and caused like a like a secret service like incident because it didn't occur to him that you can't just like leave with the president's daughters Bob <laughs> Bob Gurr is
0: the queer icon we need truly oh man um but in the same time we have w- one of Walt's true Passions, which was electricity and progress. So that was like his biggest one of his biggest things. So while Bob Gurr was over there making the monorail and stuff, Walt was dreaming up Liberty Street, um, which then turned into Edison Square. So basically, Liberty Street was supposed to be what Liberty Square in Magic Kingdom is. Um, and that I honestly think that it's called Liberty Square because they just squished those two names together. Um, and right around like this, they had this concept of, of walking through progress of especially specifically like, um, electricity and Edison. Cause it was one of his favorite, like people to look up to was Edison. Um, but as, as Monorail and the Matterhorn bobsleds and submarine voyage happened, they kind of got, that idea got like pushed away cause it was also like weird to, in. Like, it was hard to figure out how to do it because of where its location was going to be because it was going to be off of Main Street. So that would have been pretty squishy
2: over there. Well, and progress-themed lands have always been tricky. Like, Tomorrowland kind of was, I mean, extremely weird when it opened. It still is kind of Mm -hmm. wishy-washy. Epcot, the future world part, is... They always searching for an identity and yeah. I feel like liberty this edit, well more the Edison square part it would still have been looking it's a hard concept to bring to fruition and I feel like it was easier to focus on pirates and ghosts yeah
1: well and that's the thing that's the problem about you know futuristic lands right is there was if you're actually trying to you know simulate the future it's always dating itself and it's only a few years yeah. ahead of where you actually are so you if you don't and pirates don't change they're in the past right, right. so it's like, exactly pirates They've have happened. happened. So.
0: <laughs> yeah and that's that's where we got later when uh tony baxter figured out what if we looked at the future from the past mm-hmm. and then you yep. got that evergreen version of steampunk land which is why i think like while we're on the topic of tomorrowland but those progress things i think that tomorrowland should just pick that identity of be retro space future yeah absolutely pick it well i mean that's basically what
1: orlando did right i mean it's basically just kind of like a retro future right there
2: yeah yeah disneyland paris definitely has the best tomorrowland because it is the like hardcore leaned into jules verne steampunk Mm -hmm. aesthetic it's i mean it is like above and beyond there aside from Base Mountain, they don't have a ton of attractions, but aesthetically, it makes sense. You're not looking at it like, why are monsters next to Star Wars, next to nineteen eighties future as of Carousel of Progress? Not to shit on the Carousel. Do you swear on this? Oh yeah, it's fine. Okay, not to shit on Carousel of Progress because I love Carousel of Progress, but yeah, I mean, I'm.
0: You said. That Tomorrowland in France doesn't have a lot of attractions, but they do have the best space mountain. <laughs> they sure do. Hands down. Hands yeah. down. Um, yeah. And that used to have that really scary moon on it.
1: <laughs> that
0: scary moon. Uh, oh, man. Moon, man. But Edison Square was supposed to have this attraction called Harnessing the Light. Now, Harnessing the Light was supposed to be this like mini show thing, it was like a multiple mini shows led by an everyman named Wilbur K. Watt. Who would welcome guests into his turn of the century home and discuss the technology that was going to be that was used during this time? Wilbur was an early pre- precursor to animatronic figures, and he, uh, but he still would have managed to get the job done. After a few minutes, it was time to move on to the next room and see what was going to be Wilbur's house 20 years later. Um, you couldn't; you would have to marvel at the advances made in those 20 years, even though the technology was still nearly 40 years old at the time. After the 1920s, Wilbur invites you to move to the present day of 1958, where you get a chance to explore the products yourself and see all the cool stuff going on at the time before moving along to the final room showcases GE-sponsored current products. Sound familiar, anyone? (laughs) I think that sounds like exactly what the, the concept for the Carousel of Progress is, which leads us into... That World's Fair era, where Disney has kind of lost sight of his own little park project, and now someone else is paying for his R&D, so let's go move over to New York, right?
2: I think that's something we forget, like living in kind of peak Disney. Well, I personally, I think it's on a, a bit of a slide, and I don't think that's a hot take anymore, but this is like peak Disney, where they have more money than God, right? But Disneyland they were scrimping and saving to oh, yeah. get that park open and even by the 50s it was or by the 60s it was successful but it's not like he was rolling in dough he needed sponsors so the fact that the world's fair and it had always been world's fairs had always been built on sponsorship was i mean a literal gold mine for disney and he knew that he was a capitalist first
0: right because disney disney the company was not as big as it is like it was no. it was still at this point you're still looking for people who pr- they probably still know disney as the the movie guy the and the kids movie guy specifically like they didn't right. he barely even had a name in the in the like live action realm except for again if we're talking about Walt Disney searching for that penny his all of his live action films up to this point for the like true life adventures they were all sponsored by the US like the yep. country that itself sponsored his south american tour mm-hmm. like all up until honestly disney until his death basically was getting paid to do r and d it wasn't anybody like smart they man. are not <laughs> doing it <laughs> was he the smart man or was his brother the smart man
1: <laughs> yeah no it was roy but still yeah.
0: <laughs> so We get into this, this era where, um, he kind of stops making movies too. Um, at this time, I think the only movie that like stands out in production, like there's a few different movies that get released, but the biggest one right now is Mary Poppins. Um, let me check the date of Mary Poppins. I don't remember. We looked it up last time we were on the zoom and I didn't write it down. 1964 is when Mary Poppins comes out um mm-hmm. so it's interesting that he even had time for it which means well, it, was, it was absolutely a passion project of his
2: that's exactly what i was going to say i mean the lore is he read the books to his daughters and they loved it and so he just had to make the movie and that's absolutely the case it's not as romantic as saving mr banks would make it out to be um but it was, you know, he really cared about it. But like you said, they weren't making anything else at the time. And you you read back and you can read biographies of the animators that were kind of left behind at the animation studio that really felt like they had been abandoned because Disney built his companies to not really be able to run without him, mm-hmm. which we'll see when we get to his death, but then would just walk away when he got bored. Yeah,
0: um, it looks like two of the movies that were released in this time were 101 Dalmatians and The Sword in the Stone. Neither of those I would say were our particular like are particularly blockbusters. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think that Sword in the Stone is usually an un, like t- talked as an underrated film. Mm-hmm. But also it's important to note that like 101 Dalmatians came out in January of 61. And *Sword in the Stone* came out in December of '63. Yeah. So it it had been a while. Um. And so, it's it's interesting to kind of like speculate, and I'm sure that there is is some information out there about like what kind of environment that the animators worked under during this time, because. Obviously they didn't have a lot of guidance because we got Disney researching his animatronic figures. That was his main priority in this time was to get Lincoln up and, and do all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so from the world's fair, we get haunted mansion on the back burner again, Mm -hmm. because right before the world's fair, we're still talking about it. And, In 1961, they actually released handbills announcing a 1963 opening for the Haunted Mansion. Like, they were handing them out at the main entrance. And construction began in 1961, and the exterior was complete in 1963. And it was even previewed in... uh, But then the, the attraction wasn't previewed until a 1965 episode of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. And then it didn't even open
2: until 1969 and you get you get all this lore built up by guests at that time because there's this mansion sitting on disney property and it's beautiful right like the disneyland mansion is this old sort of plantation style mansion and it's just sitting there and there's a sign that says basically we're getting the 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 haunts in this mansion are getting it ready for our guests it'll be open eventually. And so there's rumors going around about why this attraction isn't opening. And they go so far as to say that it was so scary, one of the guest rumors was that it was so scary that a guest died of fear on the attraction. And that's why it didn't open because they had to go back to the drawing board and rewrite it, which, is kind of in, I mean, obviously no one died of fear on the Haunted Mansion, but it kind of goes in line with, they could not figure out what they wanted this ride to be. They couldn't decide if they wanted it to be scary or silly or somewhere in the middle. And so I think this again was kind of like maybe overwhelming to Walt. And he was like, we'll just figure this out. When I, when I figure it out, I'll figure it out and we'll get to it then, Mm -hmm. you know, type of thing. So he moved on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, the facade is just sitting there,
2: (laughs) right? (laughs) <laughs> yeah so at the world's fair
0: we get four attractions yes we get great moments with mr lincoln which is the first full body anime uh animated figure
1: mm-hmm. animatronic
0: figure then we also get um the carousel of progress which is it, it is what it is <laughs> it's a lazy susan attraction um <laughs> a classic we love it um I'm convinced that the only reason it has not gone away is cuz it was at the World's Fair. <laughs> um yeah. Then you had
2: um you have Magic it's a, Skyway.
0: It's a, I was well I wanted to talk about that one last cuz we have It's a Small World, <laughs> which is a, a classic. It's a great ride. Yeah. Like as much as people hate It's a Small World or pretend to hate It's a Small World, it is a perfect, slow-moving boat ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic.
1: I love a slow-moving yeah. boat ride. Fantastic.
0: And then, and so, then perhaps actually the most important attraction that is made is Ford's Magic Skyway, and it doesn't actually go on to any of the parks, which yeah. is, I, I think, why people forget it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well... So Walt actually offered Ford a like a spot in Disneyland with the magic Skyway and they didn't want to sponsor it. And so that is basically why it didn't get brought over everything else. So small world was sponsored by UNICEF. Mr. Lincoln was sponsored by the it state it, it was sponsored by the State of the World's Fair. I don't think that sponsorship moved over to Disneyland, but like you said that was Walt's pet project there was no way lincoln was not going right. into disneyland yeah and because carousel of Progress continued is, its sponsorship
0: yeah because lincoln is his one of his favorite figures ever which is very funny to me but um right. <laughs> but yeah um i i am curious to know specifically why ford did not want to continue their sponsorship there um because we do know from a couple episodes ago we talked about the people mover. Um and he offered Ford to sponsor the People mover. And Ford was like uh no, General Motors was gonna sponsor the, the People mover. And General Motors was like, You are literally using non electric cars. That's a conflict of interest to us. No thank <laughs> you. But I'm just curious to like know why they didn't want to sponsor it or if they just it was just not in the cards if it was just maybe um a big old marketing push for them because they debuted the mustang at the world's fair
2: yeah i honestly i haven't ever found why it didn't they didn't move forward because i mean it was literally it was modeled after ford's industrial like line like it was fully designed for ford it happened to be kind of the perfect theme park ride system but that was almost an afterthought um that then turned into the omni mover but yeah i mean it was perfect for ford but
0: i'm curious as to how expensive that attraction was because I... i'm wondering if that has something to do with it because they are literally gutted gutted mustangs mm-hmm. to move along mm-hmm. that track so it's like I mean, did they, were they finished Mustangs or were they just the, the, the frame? Because if it's Ford sponsoring it, they probably could have just been like, here's a car without bigs innards. Well,
2: and the World's Fair did not have great attendance, at least at the beginning. It, It built up and it was, it ended up being maybe what you could call like a moderate success, but the The point of having a pavilion was not to make money; it was to do marketing. It was it was purely marketing, and they didn't have great attendance at least at the beginning. So, I could see Ford thinking like we're not getting we didn't get the bang for our buck in this instance. And if they didn't know Disneyland, you know, this was such an abstract concept, and it's not like, you know, they could zoom in and see what the theme park looked like, you know. That I could see them not being interested in continuing it just because the World's Fair was a bit of a flop, depending on who you ask. And this is coming from a woman with a World's Fair tattoo. So, like,
0: hey man, it yeah. was not the 1904 World's Fair.
1: No, that's no, true. It was
0: not. Um, but Magic Skyway brought us the perfect ride system.
1: Oh, for sure. Which is the omni yeah. Omnimover
0: and it's it's really kind of crazy cuz we talk we've been talking about how nothing really happens at Disneyland during this time because he's so focused on the world's fair but the world's fair brought us ideas and concepts that we could take to back to Disneyland and we did i mean immediately after the world's fair we get three attractions we get it's Mm -hmm. a small world we get carousel of progress and we get the um mr lincoln which is kind of big yeah
2: that's a lot to add yeah Um, i mean small world was like i mean it's still an iconic disneyland attraction i mean disney attraction and carousel of progress and mr lincoln I mean, audio animatronics is literally trademarked by Disney. Like, those, they started a whole new way of telling stories within themed entertainment from these two attractions. Right. Yeah.
0: And these figures, like, you hear stories of when people first saw Lincoln, how they were just like, that's a person that like people were like throwing coins at him and like throwing mm-hmm. stuff at this robot because they thought he was real which w- is just so funny to me we Ben I think we talked about this the last episode of so, like
1: yeah.
0: of like how far animatronics have come mm-hmm. because like every time they unveil a new model of animatronic, I'm like it can't get any better right and that's how they probably all thought because not only yeah. did you have Lincoln but you also had the whole progress family
2: which is huge. That's so many. <laughs> well, and multiple versions of them throughout the years. Yeah. So you right. have, yeah, four ah. dads, right? Yeah, four yeah. scenes. There's four right. full scenes.
0: Four them. Um, so it, it's just, it's wild. And so basically the timestamp I have here is that in June of, ni- of 1959, we got M- Matterhorn Bobsleds, which was that final push before World's Fair time. And then we got a little bit of a lull, and then in 1963, through the R and D for Mr. Lincoln and the Progress family, we got the Enchanted Tiki Room, um, which was kind of them playing with what you could do. And it's kind of like that age old story of like how animation, like like CG animation, started with Toy Story because you didn't have to look as realistic, and it Mm -hmm. feels very like parallel to. Why they picked birds first? You oh know yeah, what I mean, because it was like, it doesn't matter if the bird doesn't look one hundred percent real; it's still cool. But right. If a if a human doesn't look
2: real, it's scary a little bit. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Just a bit. I will. Um, my my girlfriend had not been to a Disney park for like for her entire life. And I brought her because obviously we were dating. She had to enjoy Disney. And um, we went to see Mr. Lincoln and she screamed when he stood up. It scared the crap out of her because she was kind of like sitting there dozing because it's a relatively boring show. And she did not expect the animatronic to stand up. So even in like 2015, 16, still, still shocking people. (laughs) Like still people are are amazed at what the animatronics can do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean
0: we're spoiled because we are Disney people and right. we mm-hmm. go to the the major theme parks right but like if you go to your mom and pop amusement park none of the robots look like that they're no. just cuz they're instead of them being animatronics they're animated figures very yep. different so mm-hmm. they just have like very limited range of movement and they don't look like the other the things that we see at Disney so it's almost like when we go back to Disney change the face of themed entertainment, like you can't look at these. There, there's a standard now of what these things are supposed to look like.
1: Right. And that standard increases every single time they come out with a new figure. And it's just so hard to keep up with.
0: Yeah. yeah and they're insanely prohibitively expensive. Like oh we, yeah. We did a whole episode about with, um with Abby when we were talking about how expensive animatronics are and
1: yep, the servos I can only Im- nuts. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I can only imagine like we did that video about um, the Great Humbug Adventure at Santa's Village, and they have like what four or five Scrooge animatronics in there, yeah, and those like that. are all very impressive, mm-hmm. and they're close. You get to see them close up too, which is insane. Right, it's just. And, like, now you have things like you have your Hondo Anaka at Millennium Falcon, who basically is walking mm-hmm. across the floor and mm-hmm. looks realistic. It's just, it's it's insane. Um, this all started here, really.
1: Yeah. At this World's yeah.
0: Fair time. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we got the Enchanted Tiki Room, but that's really kind of it that's going on during this time um and it's it's more of like the cheek tiki room was like a means to an end situation of like we got it because we knew how to do it and knew how to make it fast so they did it and that even developed from a different idea that walt had that was a really bad idea truly um which was his little like he wanted to do a bird show where there was actual birds while you were eating and one of his nine old men was like listen buddy We should probably not have birds above
2: guests and he was like okay fine you're right they also wanted um microphones in the like above each table at that at that restaurant so that the uh your waiter could magically like like know what you were wanting before you even asked for it and another nine old man was like hey that's creepy and an invasion of privacy. So they obviously did not do that, and it ended up not even being a dinner show. We but that was
1: spy young. on people. It
2: probably it's probably Marty Sklar, if I had to guess. Most, Most likely. likely. Um,
0: it's it's so fun to like learn the personalities of the Imagineers to see like uh-huh. who is actually responsible. It's also insane that we still have the
2: gem of Bob Gurr mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rolly Crump. He's still around. And Rolly. He's- He's my favorite, so yeah. he was just like young and sexy. Seriously, so. like it was that just, was like, like his his thing.
0: And like you see, like the pictures of like him and Mary Blair working on "It's a Small World," and he was just like, "I just like sculptures," and she's like, "I like color," and here we are, it's a small world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: I mean, like he was the goofy guy. He was he was a big old goofball. I would have fallen in love with Rolly Crump if I knew him back then too. I'm in love with him now. Exactly. Uh but. I digress from Sexy Imagineers. We could do a whole episode <laughs> ranking how sexy the Imagineers
1: are. We're going to do a tier list. That bonus content? content? Yep, tier list. Bonus now content?
0: Maggie, you're coming back. We're going to do a bonus Excellent. episode of who's I the sexiest fight. Imagineer. <laughs> um, do we have to do it? Okay, I, we don't have to talk about logistics, but we're going to right now. Um, would it be like, would we have to separate them by era? No. <laughs> no, absolutely
1: not.
0: <laughs> but do we have to separate them by like, in their prime.
1: I mean, I think so. Yeah. But like...
0: Yeah. Because Bob Gurr is definitely in his prime right now as
2: being
1: the <laughs> sexiest
2: <laughs> Have you seen his outfits recently? He He's really embracing the end of his life and just going all he out. He is having like, so much fun.
0: There's been... Yeah. I follow him on Instagram because hi I have to. And he wears these bright red, right like, Jordans. And it's just... He... <laughs> this man. He is... Ben, you're gonna... Fall into a uh, Bob Ger rabbit hole oh, tonight. Can't I wait. promise you. Um, but it, we'll talk about sexy Imagineers on Patreon.com slash Q 2 Q some other time. Maybe not this week, but <laughs> soon. Um, but let's move into like post World Fair. So we mentioned that we get Carousel of Progress, Small World, Mister Lincoln. We don't get Magic Skyway, but we do get the diorama that goes into
2: the train path yeah so the the dinosaurs from the primeval world diorama i always want to say world but that's the world. now. Ramp, right? yeah <laughs> um primeval world is at it's still there in disneyland on the railroad the woolly mammoths were actually deferred and put into jungle cruise because Walt was always thrifty and he hated the way the cavemen looked and at that point Lincoln had already like well surpassed these cavemen so they just went away. Walt was like we're not bringing those to the park because you can't compare those to carousel of progress and Lincoln and then go see these cavemen. It was not he was not having it. So yeah, everything got piecemealed and then obviously the the magic skyway ride was not technically an omnimover yet um because you always faced forward on that ride because you were literally like you said sitting in a mustang and facing forward and driving around but they then it is wow words are hard oh yeah
1: words are the most difficult part of this podcast i mean if you follow us you know i can't even read so
2: (laughs) (laughs) they mashed up the forward movement of Ford's Magic Skyway and the need to turn and rotate and created the Omni Mover, which, like you said, I mean, it changed themed entertainment. I think I would argue it's still the best method for telling a story in a 3D space. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I was a theater major. So... <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, and this moment, the Ford's Magic Skyway, I think we talked about it in our People Mover episode, it's kind of a combination between, like, it's, like, the precursor to the Omni Mover and also the precursor to the People Mover as a system. They're not quite mm-hmm. exactly the same, but they do work off of similar similar concepts. Um, but with the success of the attractions of, for the Disney... Um, the disney-led pavilions disney kind of scrapped the idea of walking tours
2: (laughs) yeah well a walking tour has like a number of problems with it you need a guide so the plan for haunted mansion what and pirates at the time was to have or at one time was to have a guide a cast member walking through with the spiel like jungle cruise like great movie ride and walking through with groups of guests so not only do you need extra cast members who are trained and capable of giving spiels which is you know an extra level you need it's you don't get as many people through with Ford's Magic Skyway they realized how much of a people leader this ride was that you could constantly have people loading and unloading and going through the ride. And as the Disney parks get more and more popular, they need these high capacity attractions that can literally eat people and get them off of the streets of Disneyland and into attractions for a set period of time. And with an Omnimover, the ride never stops moving unless there's a breakdown or someone with a mobility issue needs to get on, which is legit. But for the most part, these rides never pause and never stop moving. And you're just cycling so many people through that it's, it's a game changer.
1: Mm-hmm. For Absolutely.
2: And then also people are lazy and don't want to walk, which I get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I get like mixed feelings as like my own self with an experience. Cause it's like, I love a walkthrough. I love to be able to like get up close and personal with everything, but you see this weird moment of using this experience and changing this, changing away from the walkthroughs in the development of Pirates of the Caribbean, because Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean was supposed to be this like dungeon-y walk, walking tour, um, like almost like a wax museum, but Walt changes it to a boat ride. But if you listen to the way he talks about it too, is that they're like vignettes of conversations and mm-hmm. you kind of act like you walk you jump on this boat and you're wandering through these spaces and his, the reason why he loved it is because like you can go on this ride a bunch of times and still find something new or hear something different or continue on with whatever is going on it's almost like a where's waldo of pirates in some sort yeah. of way and so i th- i'm fairly certain that the that Pirates is the last confirmed attraction that Walt Disney was able to complete. The one yes. in California. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Pirates opens in 1967. So I guess not.
2: So he was he had died before it opened, but it was the last one he saw essentially through to the end where his vision didn't change um from when he died to when it opened. And Haunted Mansion would be the next one that opened after his death, but it changed pretty drastically.
0: Yeah. And so Pirates happens and it's like, I, like we just said, basically what Walt wanted. It was this last kind of touch. Um, and then in 1966, Walt Disney dies. And the company is left not knowing what to do with anything. To the point where, like, his brother was retired at this point. He had moved on, and his brother was like, Well, shit, you had a lot of dead ends, buddy. I gotta go fix them. (laughs) And so we get this moment where every division of the Disney company is, like, kinda at a loss. Um, Because, like, going back to the animation division, or just the movie division at we're all... The last movie that was released was Mary Poppins in 1964. And then the next movie that's released is The Jungle Book in 1967. So between, Mm -hmm. other than Mary Poppins, between 63 and 67, there's not much happening in the animation division. And then we get another gap of time between The Jungle Book and The Aristocats. And then we kind of get, and then we get into that weird time period of Disney where... Their animation department isn't hitting home runs um, for a long time. For a really long time, um, mm-hmm. we we're, we're, we jump into I think it gets closer to like 1985 where we actually get into like what they call they classify as the Disney Dark Ages of film, which is like The Black Cauldron, Great Mouse Detective, all of those guys. But there's not much going on when Disney had been putting out hit after hit after hit.
2: Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of that is because the company is really directionless. I mean, Walt built the company around his ideas and he kind of like, he was kind of a mediocre animator. He didn't, he wasn't an engineer. He he was purely the ideas guy and it was his ideas that kept the company going. I mean, that's that's a legitimate skill to have. Um, And I think that even the people that worked for the Disney company didn't quite realize how necessary that was until they're looking at the black cauldron and there is a good idea in that movie somewhere. um, But it was so bastardized that it's, it's not even what it was supposed to be to begin with. Um, But that's yet another Mm -hmm. one. So
0: that's a different man and a different idea.
2: (laughs) Right. But even with Haunted Mansion, you know, and I mean, Haunted Mansion could be, an entire podcast but someday (laughs) (laughs) probably multiple Um, parts right but you I mean it is like a a clear thing of Mark Davis was the funny Imagineer and Claude Coates was the spooky Imagineer he was like goth baby and because there wasn't a walt there to make their I like to streamline their ideas they went back and forth so many times over those next kind of I mean three years after he died but so long before that when he wasn't paying attention to the project and the what happened what worked out with these two marrying their ideas was brilliant i mean it's one of the best dark rides ever ever but that is a fluke like obviously they're they're amazing artists but the fact that it worked out without anyone really in leadership is pretty amazing Yeah,
0: and a lot of people, like, it's such a cliche to be like, my favorite attraction is the Haunted Mansion. And it's such a cliche, but, like, when you meet people who are Disney folk or who are theme park folk, and they're like, yeah, the Haunted Mansion is a great ride because it should not have happened. Mm -hmm. Right. And it just, everything about it was happenstance and chance, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the, the craziest part of it. But in this era, I, I picked out of about a twenty year period or a fifteen year period between nineteen sixty seven, which is when Pirates opens, to nineteen eighty three, which is right before we get the next clear leadership. And so we get in that time period, we we get Haunted Mansion in nineteen sixty nine. And then we go eight years before getting a full attraction. Now, we do get Magic Kingdom in the middle of that, because that is, I don't want to discredit the fact that that also exists. But Magic Kingdom, (laughs) like you said before we started recording, Maggie, is that Magic Kingdom was a copycat. Mm -hmm. Magic Kingdom was, again, a means to an end for Walt Disney with his concept for Epcot. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we can't talk about this without talking about Epcot at all. No. Because no. when we go back to your, your pet theory, Maggie, about his ADHD, if he has it, um, right. this Epcot, especially Epcot, as a as a project of a passion, nothing else screams it. Yeah, no.
2: This is absolutely his next hyper fixation, and he had started thinking about it before the World's Fair closed. Like he he had moved on before the end of the World's Fair. We just never got to see the the real fruits of that. And honestly, like the truly dystopian nightmare that Walt Disney's conception of Epcot was, because he died. And who knows if it would have happened the way that he initially planned it? Because I mean, he would have had to change like laws that con like possibly did not agree with the constitution to make it happen. But it that was absolutely would have been his next hyperfixation if he had ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And he definitely was. I mean, you know, watching, going back to the fungland again, I've, I've watched that video so many times because I just find the Epcot project so fascinating. I mean, Walt was literally talking about it on his deathbed, like looking up yeah. at the ceiling, just like spitting out new things about it. So it absolutely was. I mean, yep. it's all he thought about at the end of his life was Epcot.
2: Yeah. yeah. And he knew Magic Kingdom would make the money that would allow Epcot to exist. Mm-hmm. And...
0: That's the whole reason it even got there, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's it's just interesting to see, like... Like you said, like, he had this whole big plan that was definitely not really feasible um, at all. Because it would not have allowed... I mean, if you if you believe in the speculation that exists and if you haven't already watched the defunct land video i can't do it better we'll never be able to do it better than that video it's it's phenomenal um but kevin perger goes into saying about like the way that this the that disney wanted his his city to run is so vastly different than any other kind of government kind of situation and it truly would have been really interesting to see him like fight for it and see what would Mm -hmm. have happened if he ended up even getting it. Um, It's honestly crazy that we even got Walt Disney world as its own little precinct that it exists. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious to see if, which came first Walt Disney world or the villages, because there are like what people don't really understand is that there's more than one, location in Florida that has this kind of government of this whole like self-containing area. Because mm-hmm. when when a f- couple months ago when Ron DeSantis was throwing bullshit around of saying he was gonna get rid of Reedy Creek, people were like, Yeah, down with Disney. And we were like, also the villages though. Because right. like there is more than one area that is self contained like this. So it's it's interesting to see that one that that even exists that more than one of these places and if other states have things like this because i've never really heard of it other than maybe like reservations operating on their own little chunk but that's also a fucked up area right um but after Disney's death epcot's gone
2: entirely gone
1: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah well and i would argue that i mean epcot I love drinking around the world as next as much as the next girl, but I would argue that Epcot is, has never been as cohesive as it could have been because of his death and because no one really understood what he was asking for because it had literally never been done before because even like the villages exist, but like they were not kicking people out of, they don't kick people out of the villages when they stop being i mean i guess you die and so then you're no longer a retiree it doesn't compute. <laughs> you would have been kicked out of epcot if you couldn't hold down a job that was like part of the rules it's, like you had to work if you wanted to live in epcot um so it had never been done before so now you have this weird mishmash of a world's fair which is literally what future world or um i mean i guess the whole thing's supposed the to be the whole world's thing fair. is yeah but the yeah the um world showcase is supposed to be like part that sort of part of a world's fair and then future world which has the world's fair well used to have like interventions which was very world's fair z and now it's just like guardians which i've heard is an amazing ride attraction have not been on it um, <laughs> i can't imagine trying to get onto it now um but it, it doesn't there's no cohesive theme you know and there hasn't ever been right
1: I mean, it's it's more of a tribute now to Walt's idea. I mean, obviously, you can't have it be an actual city right now. And and, and nobody could have run what Walt was asking for. The only person who may have had a shot was Walt himself. And even then, it's like, could he have even pulled it off? Yeah.
0: I think that if Epcot came to be what he wanted to be, he would not be regarded the same in history. I think it would have ruined him.
1: So it many. definitely could have, but I honestly it, it's, yeah, it's it's hard to see, like, like what would he have gotten, you know, like, would he have got everything yeah. he wanted or not, because would he have had to have a wide government? because he basically wanted to run the whole place alone, you know, like yeah.
2: It was a dictator. Basically, yeah,
1: it's like <laughs>
2: <laughs> Like, Walt's biggest dream was to be a dictator, which, like, props. Like, dream which, big boy. Hey, but... man,
0: every... Every white man in the twentieth century—that's their—that's their dream, right? <laughs> every yep. every white leader wants to be a dictator. Oh, yep. uh, man, I jest, but there is a lot of them. Um, but we, in this kind of wake of his death, we lose a couple different, really good ideas, um, for the parks. Uh, one which we talked about earlier was Discovery Bay that whole idea which t- came from tony baxter mostly who is one of my faves um
2: i wouldn't say he's on the sexy list but he's no, definitely but you know how you bone people that are not sexy but you do it anyways and you're not a hundred percent sure why but like you've done it and you're not like, you don't like totally yeah no it.
0: i can see that he'd be on that he's that probably a like a, on the He's yeah. on like right. the t- <laughs> t- like the C tier of like yeah it wasn't great. We'll, it wasn't we'll talk bad, about but- this
1: in the bonus content. <laughs> like anyway, <laughs> um, don't worry.
0: <laughs> um, but then so like we lose that, but then we get it later, which becomes like Tokyo Disney Sea. Honestly, as the whole concept. Oh, yeah. Um and then Disneyland Paris, and then we also lost. Something that I've never heard actually spelled out of, which was going to be something like The Land of Legends, which I think is just a colloquial that people have thrown on it. Um, but it says, it was a land dedicated to American folklore and tall tales, and it would have featured attractions based on Sleepy Hollow, The Ballad of Windwagon Smith, Paul Bunyan, and the Western River Expedition. I, if, if Disney cared about not doing IP, even though technically Sleepy Hollow is an IP at this point, um... But if they didn't care about doing IP,
2: this could still be a viable option. Fully. I I think it, it's kind of reminiscent of, like, Beastly Kingdom, which is similar, fa- more fairy tales than folklore. But if there was a mashup of those two things, that's, like, my, my ideal theme park, to be perfectly honest. So... I think that... No, go go ahead. ahead. No, you finish. I didn't have anything. I was just talking.
0: Um... I think that the the problem that Disney's facing right now is the lack of evergreen that exists because they are working on their box, like their box office smashes and their blockbuster films and with that they're getting this like kind of mishmash of hate but if you look yeah. at for example last week we talked about all the bullshit announcements for Land, and i was like i wish with this announcement i wish basically kingdom kingdom got built yeah because it would have stayed it would have lasted it would have had better better ideas i think um but who knows things go out of date yeah
2: but i mean oh go ahead no no you go i think that we're in another era of a lack of creative leadership and I, that i think has been since michael eisner because he really i mean he saw himself as the next walt disney and in a lot of ways for a long time he was and i i would argue that if roy had died before walt we would have seen a similar thing because roy really kept the money making sense and that's what happened with um oh shit thank you um And I, I, whereas Bob Iger was a money guy, right? Like, I mean, he brought the company to, I mean, a duopoly really, but we don't have that. And I mean, JPEG is JPEG. We don't have that creative leadership that I think the parks and the company kind of as a whole is really lacking. Yeah. Um, And I love Marvel. I love Star Wars. I'm all here for as much Marvel content as they want to shove down my throat, but it does still kind of annoy me that the Guardians ride is in Future World because it literally happens in the present day. It does, like, yeah. What are we doing, guys?
1: That that annoys me too. And putting yeah. IP into Epcot has always been something I'm like, uh, you know, a little shaky on. But you know, the parks change, so it, right. it is what it is. But that's that's absolutely right. It's in the present day. So how does that make it future?
0: <laughs> so. We didn't really put this in the notes, but I do want to talk about like with this, we've now been kind of out of, out of Walt Disney for a while, right? We haven't had Disney since the 10 year anniversary of Disneyland and we're about to hit hundred years of the company as a whole. So this is kind of just a little sandbox question, but like, where do we go from here? And, and we can take it from a purist st- standpoint for us who do the research and who know where we've been, or we can take it from a, where do you think we might actually go versus where do you want it to go? What do you think? It's a
1: tough question because it's obviously, yeah you, know, you want to see that, what you had before with Walt. You want to see the creativity in the parks. You want to see the new innovation things. Um... Uh, it's it's interesting that every new innovation comes in with IP as like for external from the parks as like uh we, we talked about this, you know, with our previous co-host a lot. Um they don't take risks on making any new original IP in the park. It's all like acquiring a new property like Marvel or Star Wars or doing something like that, or putting Guardians and Epcot. So I mean, I would love more creativity in that front, making original things in the park. Um but yeah, we, we don't have that creative leadership right now. And, you know, with with Chapek, even, it just looks like nothing's going right. I think we're really heading toward another Disney Dark Age. hmm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think that people, for so I grew up in LA in the 90s and people forget what a ghost town Disneyland was in the 90s. And like my family used to go on Christmas Eve because no one was at the park and because there was nothing going on and obviously Dis- christmas eve at disneyland is a hellhole for a different reason nowadays um but i think there's sort of this there is no give and take of a creative person and a logistics person mm-hmm. that we saw with frank wells and michael eisner and with roy and walt and i think that's we need a partnership again because with bob Iger, it was just the logistics and that gave disney the money to be successful and to, um, sort of have staying power and have the money to innovate, but there's no one leading that innovation. And we're seeing either the same ride system being repeated over and over and over again. And even with like rise, it's an amazing attraction, but it's trackless that's been around for, are we at 20 years of trackless by now? I
0: have no idea. I just remember trackless was exciting for for
2: disney but they weren't even the first to do it no and i mean universal surpassed them with the Kook arm a decade ago and we have nothing we have no even
0: similar because i mean like legal reasons aside because they they can't have that exact system because universal has it lock and key um but it's it's also just like static like yeah yeah, we got Rise, but we got Rise and Wind. 2019? We got Runaway Railway in 2019. They're the same mm-hmm. ride system. Not quite, but They're they are. Similar.
1: Yeah, and um, Ratatouille, I mean, exactly. same thing.
0: And Ratatouille's. And Ratatouille's a literal clone, to the point yeah. where, like, uh, it's still in French. Like, they didn't change anything Yeah, I think
1: it. Margaret's completely so, right there. It's like, you need to have the balance. You need to have to create a side. Let's call it the Dreamer, which obviously Walt's the original Dreamer, you know? You gotta have the Dreamer, and you gotta have... You, in arranging terms like back when i did acapella we referred to them as the dreamer and the editor so let's say okay, we've only had editors since you know yeah. um michael eisner and uh yeah it's great for the money side you know it's by the book and you know you're gonna keep growing that but there's no innovation who's putting out the ideas who's saying this is cool but what if we did this and then you know how to when do we get that other push because you could just recycle the same thing over and over again but it's just like apple building you know the iphone se in the 8's body it's the fourth phone they've done in the same one you know it's like that's not new <laughs> that's not exciting yeah
2: yeah and, and go ahead i think we're seeing i think we're seeing the effects of that and it's, i think it's just barely starting now uh, the hyper fans us we've been seeing this decline since Uh, you know, a couple months into COVID, I feel Mm -hmm. like, when things started opening back up and going weird, I think we sort of started getting the temperature of this might go really bad, but I think casual fans are starting to see it now. And I'm hearing from a ton of people who are not in my circle of being obsessed with the end entertainment, but would go every couple of years with their family. And they had their first post COVID trip and they are not planning on going back. Uh and that's what happens when you have one side of either coin, right? Because when we had only Michael Eisner, the parks also suffered. I'm yeah. not saying that, like, no, we should just let creative people do whatever they want. But, like, if you only have the money people, you're going to get the head, what, the head of finance saying that it's a good thing that we're giving people smaller portion sizes because they're fast <laughs> and actually saying that out loud. <laughs>
1: like, no, you're so right, what? though. But it's like, what if what was unchecked? where would right. the parks be we wouldn't have them exactly. it wouldn't exist so yeah. i i completely he would be agree would living with you. in his brother's yes. house
0: yes <laughs> yeah his wife would Literally. have left him it would have been yeah bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um oh man i we talked about like we we always say that like on this pod we try to be honest but positive right um and so i have hope that there will be another swing in some some direction um i don't want to say that i hate chapek but he's definitely not my favorites yeah. c- of all the ceos i've, I've lived disagreed through. But with I a lot also, of his decisions I, until now i also joke all the time that listen i he may not have been great but i was most present for eisner's time so um <laughs> i just i wish that we could get still like like you you said ben earlier taking risks mm. like disney's california adventure nothing none of that was ip it was all just like here's the state that this exists in mm-hmm. ready go but like you can get rides like Sorry, right. which is a killer ride system original concept not attached to an ip
1: yeah, yeah.
0: although that ride needs to be updated. funny i
1: had this conversation again not about theme parks so i i play in new England pinball league uh so i have a friend uh, named ann who talks about she was talking to me about um it's really interesting to see how old pinball machines were really original everything was like a very generic concept right you had like high flyer like space flight or like space shuttle or something like that and now you only get new machines that are tied to ip specifically so like the new machines are mandalorian teenage Mutant ninja turtles avengers only that you never see anything original and she was saying that she would love to make uh you know a manufacturer that would be like okay so you have all this new technology why don't you take risks and try these generic machines again that there's such a like a big market for that just randomly died like where did that go and the same thing happened to theme entertainment where did it go
0: i mean the same thing happened to society yeah
1: (laughs) overall
0: like it's it sucks to say but like it where we just came off of reboot central of the last five years of entertainment have been reboots and and Mm -hmm. redoing the same shows right um and you also see let's talk about sorry margaret tiktok (laughs) nothing's original on tiktok almost nothing that's the whole
2: purpose of the of the platform yeah
0: right like the reason i found i was interested in your content is because it was what yes it was my interest overall of theme parks but it was also not a dance not the same sound it was not chrissy wake up Mm -hmm. like (laughs) it it's everything about everything about it is like just re rinse and repeating of the same exact thing people just because you do it in your silly way, doesn't make it any funnier. Like bring originality to your,
2: to your, your
0: things, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean?
2: Well, and TikTok, it's an interest. I mean, we could, again, an entire podcast series on the horrors of TikTok, but it's interesting because you there's so many creators on TikTok doing interesting original content, but it's buried, especially when you start on TikTok and you start scrolling on TikTok before the algorithm has really figured out who a terrifying level of who you are and what your interests are. You are just seeing those same dances and whatever the trends. And so creators are incentivized to just continue to spit out the same content over and over that everyone else is doing, because then you have a chance to get picked up by the algorithm and have people see your content. And I mean, I still do the, I'll do the trend stuff. I'll relate it to my niche and my interests. And then, you know, and sometimes those videos that I literally did not have to have a single original thought to do are the ones that then get people to come and do my deep dive of Dollywood and racism in Southern theme parks. But first they they have to see. And
1: that's the thing too, like, the youtube algorithm is the exact same way and so it's i don't know i feel like it just stifles creativity
2: well fully it, it's absolutely
0: it's exactly that because we have three videos about santa's village on on youtube the one that is most most liked and most popular is our vlog yep and our vlog is it's fun we're b- a bunch of goofballs but you want fun content? Go watch the history of Santa's Village walk walking tour with the owner. Yeah, like That's amazing.
1: Or yeah? you know the backstage tour of it, Great Humbug Adventure. Of yeah. backstage
0: tour of Humbug. We watched we walked the track with the owner. Like that's
1: that's very cool. So
0: much more fun than a vlog, a <laughs> vlog of <laughs>
2: us being dumb. Uh, hey. Yeah, yeah but I do like going to the positivity side. I do genuinely believe that you know we are at the age you know we're in our late 20s soon to be early 30s our generation has sort of seen the whole evolution of social media and this kind of thing and are talking about it and will eventually be in the places of power to change it and i like i truly believe that i mean gen z is going to change the world they're terrifying yeah they are hopefully for the best um but i think that that can happen with disney again i mean we had 40 years 30 years of Disney, some sort of Disney dark age between Walt and Eisner and Wells. And then we had the renaissance and then now I think we're, we're leaning towards another dark age, but that doesn't mean that a renaissance isn't, I mean, everything is cyclical, right? Like I don't actually believe the world's ending. I don't actually believe that everything is going to shit and is never going to come back. Eventually things will get better. There might be harm and heartache on the way. And it might be a long time till I go and actually patronize a Disney theme park again, But eventually, it will be an an amazing vacation again. I truly believe it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I couldn't have said it better. Just
2: gotta hit something different. Yeah. Right. Someone. I think it will.
0: I think it will take a a leadership change. Um, and it sounds dumb to say. It's gonna. I think it's gonna take a fifth gate.
2: Yeah. Oh, the fact oh this is a whole another rant the fact that we have not had a had a new domestic disney park since animal kingdom that's not true oh no california adventure Adventure. relax okay still still worse (laughs) i was there opening year we literally my family swore to never go back we did eventually obviously but like i
1: haven't been the fact that i only went like original california adventure i haven't seen it back (laughs) i've
2: never been Okay, so it is, well, pre-pandemic, it was pretty great. I would, I mean, truly pretty awesome. Now, Marvel or Avengers Campus just looks like a corporate campus. Not so sure about that guy. Um, There is no paint the night, absolute tragedy, but it's it's a pretty great park now, but it took, I mean, it's been 20 years since we had a new gate. Epic universe is opening and it's going to blow Disney out of the water.
0: Yeah, that's a rabbit hole we can get into another day. But I think this is a good place to end of probably this reflection of just where we hope it goes. I think it will take a leadership change, but I'm hopeful for the next generation. Um I, am I think too. the next yeah. leader has to come in and needs to be needs to be younger, needs to have brighter eyes. Hey, maybe um, she'll have a vagina. Maybe. maybe. Or not be white. We can hope. I <laughs> we can hope. But with that, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you come back. And we have to do the sexy Imagineer tier list, so. um...
2: I already have so many opinions for the sexy Imagineer tier list. (laughs) I will be very upset.
1: I I can't wait. No,
2: it'll (laughs)
0: happen. It'll definitely happen. Um, But thanks so much for joining us. Where can we find you on all your things?
2: So I'm MRGT French on everything. It's like Margaret without the vowels, because Margaret French already exists. and yeah, I'm on most active on TikTok and Instagram. If you really love me, go to my TikTok and watch my Haunted American Road Trip series because it is just absolutely bombing, like so bad. And I've worked so hard on it, and it's awesome content. And I would love you forever if you just like interacted with it. So. Okay.
0: So what I'm hearing is show notes, every a link to every single one of those videos.
2: Literally, literally. Great.
0: great. Um, well, if you liked hearing Margaret, go follow her on all the things because she's great. I'm sure we'll have her back soon. Um, we have like a laundry list of ideas to chat about. Um, and if you like us go ahead and like and subscribe to our podcast leave us a review on Apple pods i don't think we've called that out for a while oh, yeah, we but
1: that really helps um, us out so you should probably do that
0: <laughs> yeah and you can if you like us and you want to hear us talk about sexy imagineers go over to patreon.com q2q i'm sure that'll hopefully we'll get that done in a couple of weeks because this sounds like a fun topic that we don't have to put a lot of thought into or too much thought who who knows we're gonna find some heart um, and <laughs> also...
1: takes some heartbreaks. it's gonna be all super fun
0: yeah it's gonna be great um and we'll, okay. oh man there's so many logistics that have to go into this but um if you want to contribute to getting ben back to the disney parks as we mentioned also miko appearance apparently yep. on the back of ben's chair <laughs> she's i'm afraid for her life right now oh
2: she's a black cat she'll
0: survive um she's a menace truly um but if you (laughs) want to support us at any point you can head over to our teespring when get some of our merch we have our uh let the kids be gay merch which half those proceeds go to the trevor project always and forever um and it is spooky season so go ahead and go get your um perfectly safe merch yeah that's my personal favorite i wear that i've worn that shirt out i actually have to a new oh, I wear one it because they wear yeah. it so often that's awesome um but with that you can find us on all our socials at q2q on facebook at q the number two on q on twitter at q underscore two underscore q on instagram and at q the number two q on tiktok we're not there <laughs> eventually yet, we'll have content <laughs> we will be someday um maggie you were talking about people taking your handles all of our hands were yeah. taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that, I think that's all we got for today. Um, and we'll see you guys next
1: time. Oh, uh, bye.